So, I am Hodge. I am R-Dog. So I guess uh, the name of this is Wait For It with the Fantasy Bros. Um, all right, so this is going to be kind of our first try at this. This is going to be a week-by-week uh, fantasy football podcast. Uh, bring you updates, bring you matchups, bring you uh, players we like and stuff like that. Rob, you got anything to add? That's about it, my man. All right, so I guess I'll start it out with the kind of the, the first question. So... Rob, we're doing an auction league together. Uh, $250 cap budget, rookie bonus, or rookie draft. Who are some rookies that you have your eye on this week that are not named Elliot? That you think will have kind of the biggest fan era, biggest, let's go both. Let's go biggest fantasy impact and biggest regular season impact. Um, I, you know, I look at this a lot. I look at it a lot of ways. I look at who's going to get the most opportunities. I look at uh, Coleman from Cleveland. He's going to be the number one wideout. They're going to have to throw it sooner or later. Their running game's not that strong. I look at I look at Booker. I look at Booker from the running back from the Broncos for the fact that he, meaning C.J. CJ Anderson, can't stay healthy if life depended on him. So I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. Plus, with the new quarterback, Sanchez, who can't throw the ball, they're going to be running it a lot more. Those are probably two of the big ones I look at. I'm a big lover of receivers, so, you know, I love Shepard. Um... That's probably my biggest one I love. Um, I think Fuller. I know you're a big lover of Fuller. Love me some Fuller. Um, but with Hopkins, I don't know how much it will get there. Plus, they also have Miller, so, yeah. um, who's so, going to be the third wideout. That's the interesting thing with, uh, with, with the Texans is, you're right, they have, they have Hopkins, they have Fuller. They just took Braxton Miller in the third round. Uh, the cool thing about that is they got this new quarterback in, Brock Osweiler. Brock is actually someone who I have on my eye as a sleeper pick this year. Um, last year, in just eight games, he was on pace for 4,000 yards, and that was coming off the bench midway through the season. Um, and he's getting an upgrade at receiving core. I mean, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who last year had 100, or 1,500 yards, 111 receptions, and 192 targets with 11 touchdowns. And that was with Brian Hoyer as your, running, as your QB. And, and let's be honest, I, I think you'll agree with me that Brock Osweiler is going to be an upgrade from Brian Hoyer. Um, I'll agree with that aspect, but the only thing that I have a challenge with is the fact that if you look at what O'Brien wants to do, O'Brien's a run-first quarterback. He brought in a running back in Lamar Miller, who I'm hot on as a running back, um, for the fact that they're a run-first mentality. When they had Foster, they ran first um, and then did everything else later. So I don't know if they'll throw more. I think last year they threw out a necessity because a lot of times they were down at the beginning of the game, so they threw a lot, and they forced targets. Do I think Osweiler's a better quarterback than Hoyer? Yeah, um, but I don't know if they'll throw it right away to Fuller. I look at Fuller as kind of iffy on Fuller because I see Fuller more as some of those great uh, rookies of the past that we thought were going to hit big in the in the wide receivers and never really did. If you look at, like, we'll go Notre Dame since he's from Notre Dame, you look at, like, Michael Floyd. Um, Michael Floyd didn't hit the first year. That's true. Um, he hit the second year, hit a little bit the second year, and then he started taking off the third year. I think it's a learning process, and he's not known as a great route runner. Fuller's known as the guy that goes up and gets the ball. Yeah. Um, so that's where I would probably be a little bit off him because route running is probably the most important thing because you look at it. We're both Packer fans. You look at, like, uh, Jeff Janis. He catches everything, but he's a terrible route runner. That's why he never gets on the field. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a very valid point. When you look at that, you have two things. Uh, biggest thing I like about Fuller is I think he brings you your home run ball. Um, I mean, you look at what he was in Notre Dame, and you look at what everybody's saying is he's going to be your deep runner. He's going to be your guy who goes down the field and runs. 
Um, I think the biggest reason I'm personally as excited for him is when you look at having somebody on opposite, like a DeAndre Hopkins, who is beastly in what he can catch. And I mean, last year he almost won you the league hands down. I won't say hands down, but he definitely made a huge increase into your team. Yeah, that's also because they had no one else to throw. You had, you had Cecil Shorts, and you had a bunch, and you had uh, Strong, who was a rookie. They drafted in the last, Jalen Strong, yeah. They drafted in the second round last year, and he didn't really take off. Yeah, you know, you look at receivers; it's it's a hit or miss. It's a feast or famine. It's been a feast or famine for years. A couple years ago, every rookie wide receiver hit. This year, it's it's kind of a crapshoot. You yeah. look at you look at you look at Treadwell. I think Treadwell, if you looked at his college stats, and you watched any old Miss games, he was unstoppable. You know, I don't know if Minnesota's the right offense for him. I think he'll get the ball. You know, they're talking about having him run the Irvin routes and stuff like that from a North Terminal was way back then with Michael or with the big three. Um, he might hit, he might not. Um, he also has a lot of off the field issues, which could cause problems. For me with Treadwell, the, the biggest thing that's scaring me is you're going into a defense or an offense, excuse me, with Adrian Peterson, who's Adrian's gonna get his touches. He's just over 31, I believe, and he's playing behind one of the top 10, um, what I think is the top 10 offensive line. Adrian's going to get his touches. He can he can catch. He, he's not your, your normal 31-year-old running back. So you go into a Treadwell, um, and then, so you go into that, and then you even add in the fact that you have Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback, who, if he's a top... 15 quarterback it's 15 I think he's within the top 25 but I you're right I don't think he's going to get utilized until you get down to the red zone where it's third and 10 or third and goal and they're not going to give it to AP where you know they're going to look for this big body running back um and the Minnesota offense Minnesota receiving core is not a, a receiving core that I want anything to do with I think made that pretty evident when i quickly shopped around stefan diggs very early in the year he, yeah. it, that's not a receiving core i want anything to do with no and then the, the, another receiver i look at which is probably a lower end uh rookie pick is tyler boyd from uh, cincinnati. cincinnati um i look at him for the fact that you're talking there's aj green and no one else you know marvin jones went someone else sanu went someone else he's the number two by default yeah um, and they do throw a th- they do throw a fair fair amount. And if he doesn't hit, that's where another what a regular player that I look at pretty heavily is AJ Green because he's gonna get a ton of targets because really Dalton doesn't have anybody else to throw to besides so, Bernard out of the backyard field and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a valid point. I actually want to go back to somebody you had talked about. I want to go back to Sterling Shepard. Um, Sterling Shepard, uh, correct me where he went to college. I can't remember off the top of my head. He was a boomer sooner. Okay, cool. Um, I know he's one of the guys you're looking at in your top four. Um, I have no problem saying that. You have a draft pick before I do, so I can't sneak him past you. Um, what I actually think is really interesting, I was looking at some stats with Eli Manning this last year because he was one of the guys that I, I, I've never been sold on Eli. I mean, he's a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's Pro Bowl superback or quarterback, but... Let's be honest, Pro Bowl doesn't mean as much as it used to with everybody dropping out left and right. But over the past two years, they've been top 10 in passing attempts, past 10, or top 10 in passing yards, and top 10 in TDs under their new head coach. Um, they've passed 56 times when they're winning. They're, they're going to be a team that throws. 
I would agree. I think if you look at their running game, their running game is really non-existent. And with uh, McAdoo getting promoted from offensive coordinator to quarterback uh, to coach, is he just going to keep going with the West Coast offense? The reason why um, Shepard is so big is he got voted the number one route runner. Okay. And out there in the league, and if you think about it, what rookie has really taken off in the last three or four years? Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham had the same story told about him three years when he came out of LSU. Um, best route runner in the thing. Best hands. Same thing that they have about him. So he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his catches, which in turn is going to open up Odell Beckham. Because Odell Beckham, if you didn't know, had the most yards and the most catches in the first two years of anybody's career. We're talking Jerry Rice. We're talking Michael Irvin. He's had the most hands down by a lot. So let's go to, let's go to a snake draft. Who's your number one overall in a snake draft? My number one overall, I think, especially with the stuff that's came up in Pittsburgh lately, I would probably go. I'd probably go Antonio Brown. I think it, it depends. Now, and to mind you, if it's the PPR league versus a standard draft, I might not go as heavy for Odell. But if you look at the trend um, over the last two years, um, receiving receivers have jumped up so much more, and running backs are more. Um, disposable. You looked at a lot of all the experts, and I consider myself a pretty damn good expert because I know pretty much everything. I don't win. I don't lose. I don't win. I drink too much. Um, my phone just rang, guys. Um, but is I would probably go. I would probably go Antonio Brown hands down. He's going to get this year. With you look at uh, Bell, probably going to get suspended for four games because of the fact that he has missed multiple drug tests. Um, not just one. He's missed multiple drug tests. He's going to be suspended for a game. Um, they're going to throw the ball a ton. Plus, you look at Matavius Bryant is gone. Um, you have Whedon as your other receiver. You have Latarius Green as your tight end. Big Ben likes to throw the ball. He likes to throw the deep ball. I wouldn't be surprised if um, Antonio Brown breaks 220 targets. And that's that's back to a couple years ago when Roddy Waite broke out with 190 targets in a year. 200, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 220 targets. He's shooting for 150 catches this year. So let me throw this at you. If it's a keeper league, does that change your answer? If it's a keeper where you're looking at drafting somebody to build your team on, does that change your answer? Or is or, or is it depends? Antonio- it depends. You look at it a couple ways. You look at it in keeper leagues. You look at it a couple ways. It depends. Auction keeper league, depending on how the auctions broke out, and then you look at it in where your position is in a, in a draft. You know, if I have the if last year I sucked and Antonio Brown's costing me a first round pick, and I have like the top three pick, I may not keep him because I know I can possibly get him with the top three pick. Um, Keeper League, if he's at a good value, I would probably keep him um, just for the fact that he's guaranteed points. You know, uh, you know, I have a friend that's pretty heavy into fantasy, just like me, and he has actually Antonio Brown in a league we're in together, and I gave him to him two years ago, which I kicked myself. Is this the the league we're in together, Nelly? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's $41 a league we're... out of $250. Out of $250, and I had him at $28, and I traded him for Jordy Nelson two years ago. So what point, does, what point does... Antonio Brown come too expensive for you. What's the most you're willing to spend on one position? It's going to depend on as how you're you, carrying an eighty-seven dollar receiver right now. It really depends on how you build your team. You know, I look at it as can I get this person for that amount? So you have to, you know, in any draft you go into, you have to, and especially in a keeper draft, you have to do it two ways. You have to one look at how it helps your team, and two how it helps your competition. Um, I would rather help a team that's a little weaker than 
then help a team that's I feel is close to my my team's skill set to make a trade with somebody like that. So you're more willing to give say say a in your case a, you one of your best players on your team right now is a Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more willing to give Julio Jones to say somebody who's wide receiving core consisted of until later this earlier this year um actually to be honest i can't even name anybody on his team like a joe um where his receiving team was not the strongest you'd be more willing to trade something like that to him right because you because you look at as a commissioner in a lot of leagues and stuff like that and a lot of you guys are out there are probably commissioners in leagues too is you want to look at it as and especially when you're trying to do a keeper league is you know, there's very few times you can find the people that are very heavy into fantasy. Um, you got to try to make the league even out. So, one, you don't want a team that's a juggernaut every single year. Um, you want to try to even out the league. So, one, it makes it fun for everybody to play. And, two, you don't want to make it. Because I look at how I do a league and the fact is I try to switch my almost switch my team over every year. Um, probably... Probably 50 to 60%. Because, one, I want to challenge myself. Can I make my team better? And, two, I want to make it fun for everybody else. So, you know, because it's tough as a commissioner, if I don't know if you depending on what you're charging for someone to be in a league, it's tough to try to constantly keep people, to try to join people into a keeper league with a team they didn't create. So how do you go about finding someone who does that? How do you go about finding someone who can get hooked that easily? Is that a mentality of someone who really likes football? Is it the mentality of someone who really likes gambling? Because let's be honest, fantasy football is—it's it, a skilled gamble, is what it is. You're taking—you're taking a gamble that player X, uh, uh, Julio Jones in your case, is going to have a phenomenal year. You're taking a gamble on that. So, what kind of people do you look at when you're trying to add somebody to the league, or do you just look at somebody like, hey, Brian's not a shit. I want to have Brian join my league. I look at it, one, you got to look at it when you're looking for people to get in leagues that want, that's someone that have a passion for a league, um, passion for football, wants to get good. And, you know, it's, and I'm willing to help them get better um, with that in a league. I will make trades that I honestly lose just for the fact of to try to help their team get better because as a commissioner, if you guys haven't been commissioners, sometimes it's a challenge. Oh my God, someone dropped out two days before your draft. You got to, you got to, you got to scramble to do that. Um, so it's a matter of finding people that have a passion for football and then being honest and real with them. It's like, hey, if it's a bad trade, tell them it's a bad trade. You know, I will intent, like I said, I will intentionally lose trades, I feel, to make another team better. Like I do a lot of three-for-one trades because I look at my roster when I build a team is I don't build a team for starters. I build a team for a roster, meaning that later in the year when I need that one player to push me over the hump, I'll make a three-for-one trader. I'll make a three-for-one or a four-for-one trade, throw in a rookie pick, whatever it may be, to get myself over the top, but in turn make another team stronger. So how do you build your team? I, uh, your team, I think, we, from being in the league, I actually want to pull up here real quick what your team consists of because I think your team, is it's beastly. I know last year you and I were head-to-head in the f- finals, Um and you actually bought me out of the finals, and I thought it was a fair trade because my team compared to your team was nowhere near it. Your starting quarterback last year was Tom Brady. You turned around with the receivers of Deshaun Jackson, Hopkins, Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins, Sanders, Sneed. I mean, I, Jordan Matthews, Jordy Nelson. Blew his knee out last year, so didn't get you too much there. T.Y. Hilton. 
Um, how do you, and Gronka is on your team too. How do you go about building your team? Do you do it through trades? Do you do it through the draft, or do you do it through waiver wire? What What's your preferred type to building your league? It's kind of a across the board kind of thing. So you look at it as um, one: you want to have a solid core. You don't want to have a solid core that beats in a, in a. It depends on which way you go. So if you're looking at a snake draft in a keeper league versus an auction draft, you look at it as which way is most beneficial. We're talking this one's particularly an auction draft. So you look at keeping people that are at good value. So in this league that we're talking about now is we have a rookie draft. You know, so each player each we have two rounds of rookie draft, so it's exclusively a snake draft in that aspect. What I try to do every single year, I'll try to get three to five picks in the first round. I'll trade away anything to get these picks. And what I do with that aspect is I try to take flyers on people. I'm constantly trying to take flyers to build the team. Um, and then from there, some will hit, some won't. You know, I look at Hopkins. How I got Hopkins a couple years ago, I traded Hopkins straight, and I had Eifert, and which was the biggest probably mistake by me in this rookie draft. Bell went 10. I had pick 9, and I picked Eifert. Probably the stupidest move I ever did. Um, but what I did in turn was the fact that I tripped, flipped Eifert for Hopkins because I saw a lot of potential in Hopkins. And I'm a big lover, and I think you win leagues based on receivers. You don't. It's not. A, it's not. If you look at it overall, it's not a running back. It's not a running back NFL anymore. Those are more. You, they talk about zero zero value running backs where you, you don't start picking running backs till fifth round, and that's truly the case, especially if you're doing a PPR because you look at a Woodhead, for example. Woodhead, he might get five catches a game for 26 yards. That's that's seven point six points. Where you look at that's we'll look at Peterson. He has to get seventy six yards rushing to get that because he's not getting any catches. So you're actually jumping ahead to one of my questions: is how does PPR change your approach? I know for me personally, I love PPR running backs. I mean, I'm keeping a Theo Riddick on my team this year because he cost me two dollars out of seven fifty, solely knowing that he's gonna only probably be a third down running back. Because I know the fact that they're going to look to him in the short game. They're going to look to him in a passing game. Um, how does PPR change your approach? Uh, I'm a lover of PPR. I like it if the half point, full point, whatever way you do it is, that makes the fun. I like scores that, you know, I've done ESPN. I've won NFL. You know, I've won two footballs off NFL.com, being in their auction leagues to get autographed Pro Bowl footballs. I've won a lot of those, which are straight up points, standard scoring. I like PPR because I like the scores to be higher because I've lost leagues by tenths of a point so I'm based on a catch, and I've won leagues based on that. It makes it fun because it, it, it makes that receiver like Landry, for example, from Miami. He doesn't score a ton of touchdowns, but he gets a ton of catches and a ton of passes. And he, you know, based on, based on the scoring system I use the most, he's a top five receiver where in any other league, he's probably a third-round pick. In, our, in my leagues that I generally run, just based on his catches and his return yards and all that kind of stuff, he'll run a top five, top ten receiver. Top ten overall, actually. So who's somebody you're high on this year? Who's your, not your top number one, not your, you know, he's not going to be your number one pick. He's not going to be somebody that he may, you may pick them and some people may look at you and be like, why, why, why would you pick that person? Who's someone you're high on? Um, I look at it in a couple ways. I look at I look at a lot of opportunities. I'm ve- I'm definitely high on Sharp. I mean uh, Sterling Shepard. I'm definitely high on him. I think he's going to get a lot of targets because they got rid of Randall. Their tight end is tied, and uh, my boy uh, Larry Denal, which doesn't do shit. Um, he has one good game for three touchdowns, and then you never see him again. Um, so I think he's going to get a lot of targets. I look at. Um, 
it, you know, with running backs, it's also variable because the fact that, you know, if someone gets hurt, great, fine and dandy. I think Henry could be big, but I think everything I'm reading about uh, Murray is he's going to be a three down back. He's so here's my question. Way. Do you believe in Murray? If you had to draft your team and your number one running back was going to be DeMarco Murray, are you confident in DeMarco Murray? So I look at DeMarco Murray a couple ways. I look at DeMarco Murray, I would pick him if I go a snake draft. If I was, we'll do a 12-team league, we'll say. 10 or 12-team league. I would pick him if I had the back end of the draft. I would pick him. If I had Which, the background. First round? Where? First, I would pick him second round. So second you're talking, round? I would pick him anywhere between 16 and 24. So that's that's actually really good because Pro Football Weekly actually has DeMarco Murray as their 16th mm-hmm. overall running back. So you're right on the head with that. Um, I know you and I were talking earlier, and I'm very high up on Derrick Henry. I, or I was until I started reading a couple of things. And I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what DeMarco Murray Tennessee is going to get. Are they going to get the ten or the DeMarco Murray from two years ago with the Cowboys, where he ran over everybody, or are they going to get the Tennessee or the DeMarco Murray? Excuse me, from you, the Eagles. You look at you look at what the when he was with the Cowboys, their line was and their line still is bar none. They are a good running line, um, but the thing that I look at DeMarco Murray now is the fact that he is very. If you read everything about what the coach is saying, all that stuff, he's there. He's a leader. He's there. Every single meeting, he is there doing all of his preseason workouts at the at the complex. So I would lean more towards him. I think Henry, but injuries are a thing. What I I would look at fly, I would look at I'd take a flyer on Henry in a couple things. So if you're looking at a auction league, you know, you look at an auction league, if you can get him for nine, ten dollars, I would probably go that way. If you're looking at a snake draft, if I can get him in the sixth round, I would probably go that way. Because in snake drafts, if you've done a lot of snake drafts, it's truly running back driven. You throw, you, you take a ton of flyers on running backs. Um, receiver wise, you go with what the known commodities are. You don't take as many flyers on uh, receivers in that. But in those, you're taking every single rookie running back you'll take in a in a snake draft. So, how much are you spending on Murray? Current situation overall. Current situation, I would probably go. In my current situation, would I have salary cap available on the current team that I have in the league we're talking about? I would probably go maybe 35 40 bucks. Yeah, that's about where I had him valued, needing um, needing a, a running back one on my team. I mean, I have a Deion Lewis who, unproven commodity, I still shoot myself for not taking your fourth overall draft pick that you offered earlier this year for him. But that is what it is. Yeah, I was um, I was drunk that day. I was trade I was trade desperate. I, I I'm a, I'm a I'm a person that likes to trade. I like to I like to sell my team and see if I can build it up again. So. Yeah, he's uh, someone that I mean he could turn out great. He could be a top five running back. I think if you look at what he had before he went down, but it's hard to come back from that type of injury. Um, then I have a theoretic. I think I need a running back, so I would definitely put myself right around that thirty-five, forty-dollar mark. You know, I, I would go that way. But there's, you know, you look at out there. There's still in in our league in particular, but in general, you know, you look at. I like the guy. I like that CJ guy that's going to be with Seattle. I like him that came out of Notre Dame that was a flanker before. Yeah. Um, I like him a lot. I think I think that Smallwood um, is going to be big in Philadelphia. Wendell saw him Smallwood. I think he's going to be big. You look at you look at Kenneth Dixon from freaking Baltimore. 
Uh, sorry to swear, but I like to swear. Um, dude, and I like to say the word dude. We should name this something like dude. Dude, where's my car? Wait for it. Oh, wait for it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thanks, buddy. Producer um, Brian jumping in. You look You look at that kind of stuff. There's a lot of random guys out there that could hit. You look at, look at for example, God, who was that running back last year? You look at Rawls. Rawls was a fifth-round fifth round rookie pick last year that came out of freaking nowhere. I didn't know in another league, Rawls got taken for Andamik and Sue in a, in a defensive league. Um, it was probably the guy's best movie made all year, but... It was a great move. So it's rookies are kind of a crapshoot, and especially running backs because it's so disposable. You know, think about think about five six years ago. Do you remember the name Sam Congato? Yeah, I was actually thinking about Sam Con the other day. You know, that was a Packer pickup from the scrap heap, and look what he did. So let me ask you this: Who do you value? What what position do you value higher? Do you value a quarterback higher, or do you value a running back in a PPR league? Here's the deal: in 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 any league, honestly. Quarterbacks are probably a small step above kicker. Because if you look at if you look at in a center league, a center league you're talking four points per touchdown. That narrows the gap. You're talking about in a high point league that wants to do six points per touchdown. That narrows the gap. There's eight to ten quarterbacks that you're gonna run between I would say a range of probably fifty points. In a in a thirteen week schedule, that's not that much. You know, so receivers Receivers, I'm going to rank number one. Yep, I'd agree. Number two, I'm going to rank running backs because you got P- you got PPR or standard because they're going to get more touches. Third, I'm going to do tight ends, and then it'll be quarterbacks. So interesting, you bring up tight ends. I th- I honestly ends, I, I think like tight ends. I think outside of the top three, I think we can agree the top three right now will probably be Jordan Reed, um, Gronk, and then Greg Olson. Not in that oh, order. Oh, you have Greg Olson on your team. I have Greg Olson. I traded away for or Jordan Reed. I traded him away for Ooh, two for three. Gotcha. Yeah. Move back. I like so, it. So, outside of that, do you really think there's going to be somebody worth taking a flyer on, or do you think that's going to be something that you can Pro- pick up? Probably the biggest flyer. Week? The biggest flyer I look at in tight end is I look at Kobe Fleener, which happened to be traded, traded on my away. team um, for a twelfth round pick in the rookie draft. Uh, a 12th pick in the rookie draft. Reason why, Ben Watson, ben Watson is a slug. And you saw what uh, Drew Brees did to him last year. It was every single pass. Ben Watson, Ben Watson. So and Kobe Fleener, I think, is going to take off in that offense. Um, I think he's going to be a big flyer. Jordan Cook, as Packer fans as we both are, could be big, but could be not you know you look at the injury he just had surgery you look at the fact then you you look at that and then you hear the fact that freaking uh, oh god what's his name rogers richard rogers came in checked in at 272 pounds which is like 15 pounds over what the target weight they had him for so he could be big tight ends tight ends the crapshoot you look at latavius latavius green you think about the pittsburgh steelers they're gonna throw the ball a lot you look at everything he's done i think he could be big but I my big my big pick overall is going to be Kobe Fleener. I think I think he's got the biggest chance to take off because he's a pass receiving tight end, which in the same Gronk as the same elk as um, Jimmy Green Jimmy Graham, who was a beast there a couple years ago. Is that your pick for a sleeper? As tight end, I would go Fleener. Who's think, your overall sleeper pick? My overall sleeper pick in everything, every position. Every position that's going to take off. God, that's a toughie. Jeez. I already said mine. I think it's going to be Brock. I think Brock's going to quietly put together a pretty solid game. 
are pretty solid. I think he'll put together a really solid fantasy year. I think the Texans, their defense, the only thing that scares me is J.J. had surgery. That scares me a little bit on their defense. But I think Brock will put together, and that's why I was trying very hard to get him. He's going for $2 in our fantasy. He's going for $2 in our fantasy or auction league right now, which I think is a steal for him. Um, I would pay $2 for him. I'd, I'd probably max out for him around... I, it, I'd say five to ten dollars, but the problem is I'm still sitting on Russell Wilson for five dollars, so it's hard to pay anybody more than what Russell's going to be as my starter. But I think Brock's going to be my sleeper. Who's your sleeper? So a couple sleepers I look at. I look at a little bit off the beaten path. I'm going to look at uh, not totally off the beaten path, but I, I, like I said, I'm a lo- I'm a lover of wide receivers. I've won several leagues because of wide receivers. I'm going to look at a couple ones. I'm going to look at Dante Moncrief. I think that's a very good pick. Um, I'm also going to look at uh, uh, Tyler Lockett from uh, Seattle. I think they're both. You can get them pretty cheap, and you can get them in, no matter if it's a auction draft or a uh, snake draft. You're gonna you're talking auction draft. Auction draft. You're probably talking depending on the league and depending on when they get drafted. Um, you're probably looking at probably ten to fifteen dollars for either one of those. If you look at a snake draft, you're probably looking at a, anywhere between a four and a seventh round pick, depending on how you draft books. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sitting here hoping you cut Tyler Lockett very quickly. Per- yeah, that's probably not I've been gonna, looking at him for a while. That's probably not going to happen. Um, so let me throw a couple na- more names at you. Torrey Smith out of San Fran. Um, if, if I had a quarterback that could throw a deep ball, which uh, neither Gabbert or Kaepernick can do, I would go Torrey Smith all day. I've had Torrey Smith in leagues in the past. He's a great deep ball runner. You throw that ball up there, he'll run under it. The problem is that's neither Kaepernick's strength or Gabbernick or Gabbard's strength. Kaepernick still has strength? Dude, if he's playing the Packers and running the ball, sure. Eh, that's true. Um, all right, next one, Devontae Parker. Ooh, Devontae Parker. Please hold. Just wait for it. Need more rum? I had to grab the bottle. I like that you ahed it as you were pouring it, not after you were drinking it. So, yeah, Devontae Parker is someone that I definitely had my eye on. Took a look. One of the first things I did was take a look to see if anybody had him in our league. He's still sitting as an undrafted in our league. Uh, he's someone who I think could go cheap, who I think, depending on what their offseason comes into. So I you look at Devontae Parker, a couple things. Um, out of Louisville, um, he was very highly rated last year. Um, the thing is about Devontae Parker is he'll end up being Miami's number one. You won't get him cheap in A-League. Because if you look at any, you look at CBS, you look at ESPN, you look at NFL Network, um, they're all ranking him as the number one wideout with the uh, – Miami Dolphins, he's going to catch if things are true. He could actually be an overvalued player. He's going to, they're estimating between 75 and a, 75 catches and 80 catches and over 100 yards receiving. You're not going to get him cheap. Um, I don't think he's going to be a sleeper in any league because everybody's talking about him as the next great thing. Great route runner, very fast. You know, I think he ran a 4 3 at the combine when he came out of uh, Louisville. So I think he's going to be a suit. I don't think he'll be a sleeper because everybody's hearing about him. He's a hot name with no results. Him and uh, Jay Ajayi, both Dolphins. So good inter- didn't have results last year, but everybody's hot on it. So interesting that you 
bring up Jay Ajayi because that was one thing I want to talk to you about. With the Miami Dolphin div- or, uh, running back thing that just signing Arian Foster, does that change your mind on any of the running backs out of Miami? Or Miami? So I'm a big Arian Foster fan. I've won leagues with Arian Foster in the past, but I think with the many touches as he's had throughout his career, I think he's a marginal back now. I think it's more of a name back than anything else. I look at, I look at him as more like the Bulls drafting uh, Wade from the, getting Wade from the Heat. He's over the hill and stuff like that. I don't think it's going to make a world of difference. The only thing that makes me worried about it is they also, they also drafted Drake in the third round. So, so if they were sold, so sold on a Jaye, why did they take a running back in the third round? So before that news, where would you have a Jaye ranked? I tried to trade for a Jaye in a couple of leagues I was in. Um, I think he has potential. Do I think he's a top 14 back? Probably no. I think he's, you know, you look at it, if you compare two, we'll use Latavius Murray as an example. Everybody hates Latavius Murray because he didn't have the greatest year last year. Um, but they're bought into him. You know, they took a running back out of Texas Tech, Washington in the fifth round. They're bought into him. He's a big back. You You're know, talking if he Latavius? Does, yeah. You're talking taking uh, DeAndre Washington. Yes, yeah. out of TCU. Um, good third down back and stuff like that. But I think I'm more I'm more sold on Murray than I actually am on uh, Ajaye. But Ajaye could hit. You know, you look at a lot of there's been a lot of second year wonders that have hit. But I if I had to put money on it, I wouldn't take Ajaye in a snake draft before the seventh round, the sixth or seventh round. I probably wouldn't pay, you know, in an auction draft depending on if you're on a two fifty or two hundred. I probably wouldn't pay more than five bucks for Ajaye. So. Last year you had Jordy on your team. Yeah. Jordy went down preseason. Hmm? What are your thoughts on coming back from an injury? Anybody you have your eye on who was injured last year that you're like, I got to, I got to get this guy, he's going to come back hot, or somebody you're like, I'm staying away from that guy? Um, I look at all the res- – you know, you look at a lot of people that were hurt last year. Dez, you look at – Keenan Allen, you look at Luck was played a little bit, but was really hurt. You look at Jordy, you look at uh, Lacey being overweight, so I'll take that as an injury. You look at you look at Charles. There's a ton of guys out there. You know, the only one I'm a little leery on. It's kind of funny because I've had him in a couple leagues, and I'll probably have him in another league this year. Is uh, Charles? The reason why I look at Charles as a as an opportunity is the fact that he's had so many touches throughout the career. Um, and they focus so much at Kansas City on giving him the ball that that could be an opportunity. Jordy, with everything I've read about Jordy and everything that's coming back, you know, I see Jordy as easy 95 catch, anywhere between 13 and 1,500 yards, probably anywhere between 8 and 12 touchdowns. Pretty easy because the Packers, they can say they run the ball, but they're still pass happy. Yeah. It's hard not to be when you have somebody like Rodgers back there throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we went sleeper. We talked about injuries. Who's your pick for a bust? Who's gonna? Who are you not touching this year? Wow, who am I not touching this year? Um, which is kind of funny. People are like that's kind of odd. Is I wouldn't touch um, Brandon Marshall with a ten foot pole. Couple reasons why. Um, you look at the fact that Fitz is gone. Fitz pa- Fitzpatrick might be back. He might not. But they're even talking a contract right now. Um, Geno Smith can't throw the freaking ball if his life depended on it. Two, if you look at historically every year two, in any system uh, Marshall's been in, he's kind of sucked. Dolphins, 
Year two and year three, he wasn't very good. Bears, year two, wasn't very good. It's, you know, you know back to when he played for the Broncos, and he loved Cutler. Year two, year two and three after he had that breakout year, he wasn't worth a darn. You know, and nothing against bipolarism, and he's, and he's documented all that kind of stuff, and he's very big on that. That's a person I worry about because he's going to want the ball, and doesn't necessarily mean he's good. You know, you look at Amaro from there. The tight end's going to be emerging from Texas Tech. You look at, uh, what's his name? I think you have him on your team. Decker. Decker. I think Decker's a good uh, good deep ball runner. There's a lot of stuff. I see him as a bust. I see him. He's going to get pecked in the top three rounds, hands down. And I could see him kicking you in the butt. So, yeah, I, you know, um, interesting thing that you bring him up again can you name the two receivers between him and Decker? What do you mean? After him and Decker, can you name the two receivers after him? The wide receivers yeah. that play for them? Yep. Wow. I would say Devin Smith, who was a bust. Yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> uh, and I'd also go with my boy, uh, which he might actually be the fifth receiver, but his name is... Uh, Kimbo Tompkins, he used to play for the Pats, uh, Patriots, years ago, and I've won, I've won a couple games because of that guy. I would look at that aspect. You know, they've had a lot of they've had a lot of receivers in uh, the Jets, but they're a run first mentality with a defensive quarter with a defensive coach. They're a run first coach. Um, they're going to run the first. Yeah, that's why they got Forte. If they throw the ball, they're going to do dump passes. So let me ask you this. So. I think as my sleeper this year, I had someone who who you actually traded away early this year, mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins. <laughs> so here's my couple thoughts on that. One, you have Tyrod Taylor, who last year had a good year. Yeah, pretty decent year for who he was and, and the he team. Can't throw he was the ball. Yeah. Um, two, he had the foot injury. Uh, from everything I've read and everything I've heard, he's come back from it pretty strong, but. There's the I believe it was a stress stress factor if you have it. Um, two last year through eleven games, he only had two games of five plus catches. Yeah, it was pitiful. He uh, had like eleven catches, three in touchdowns games. in eleven games. Yeah. Uh, now he played in eight of those. He was inactive mm-hmm. for three of them. Now then, when you look at it, week twelve through sixteen, he had thirty five catches, six hundred and seventy nine yards, and six touchdowns. I look at it as. You have the tale of two Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, am I saying I want don't want Sammy Watkins on my team? No. I'm just not going to heavily invest in someone who came off of an injury that could go high, could go low. It, it's uh, You and I both talked about it. It's a throwing league. I don't think there's any one person that on that Buffalo defense outside of probably LaShawn McCoy that I would feel confident on my team going, this person's going to help me get over the hump. So here's the deal, Sammy Watkins. Um, I love me some Sammy Watkins. I traded Sammy Watkins based on a value aspect. Um, If you look at from when he made that comment that he wants the ball and they gave him the ball, bar none, he's the best receiver out there. Let's think about this. When he was at Clemson, DeAndre Hopkins was the number two when DeAndre Hopkins is actually a year older than him. They defaulted to Sammy Watkins when he's there. Sammy Watkins is an unbelie- unbelievable pass runner. If he was in a, if he had a quarterback that could throw him the ball, he would be putting up numbers like uh, uh, Julio. 
you know, it's scary. I love Sammy Watkins a ton. I have him in a couple leagues. I have a tough time trading him. Sammy Watkins' only issue is the fact that the quarterback that's thrown in the ball. If Fitzpatrick was still there, Sammy Watkins last year probably would have put up 90 catches for about 1,400 yards and probably 13 touchdowns. If you watch any of the game tape, they have a tough time covering Sammy Watkins. I love me some Sammy Watkins. I traded him based on a value aspect. And I didn't get what I should have got for him. It's kind of covered all my questions. Anything you have in there? Um, so I look at it a couple ways. I look at it as, and there's a lot of people out there that hopefully will listen to this podcast and haven't, haven't, haven't done fantasy or stuff like that. There's a lot of pluses and minuses. So I look at it as, so asking you the question, you've done a couple leagues now, um, one with me, and a couple other leagues. What do you prefer, auction or snake? I like auction. I I, I honestly like auction. I hate snake drafts because I hate getting stuck in that first-round pick. You end up with all of the, the stress of who to pick, what if they don't turn out. Then you turn around and you sit there for 23 picks while you watch all of these people go. And you're just sitting there going, all right, I just... just um. No, all right, there goes that guy. Um, I like auction. I like the ability to trying to be smart with my money. And, and I, I made the comment many times this year when we were talking to a couple of our new players. I like to money ball our league. I like to take these people that are cheap, and I like to build my team through cheap receivers. Like right now, I'm sitting on Allen Robinson for three dollars. You know, it, it, thanks to a trade I gave him to you. Yeah, yeah, uh, trade everybody thought you won on that one. Um, I like I like to do that where I where I build off these cheap cheap people who I mean take a, like I said before Dion Lewis if Dion Lewis turns out to be a huge impact player like a lot of people think he could have been had he stayed healthy for two dollars I could end up with a top five running back and a top five receiver for a total of five dollars of my two hundred and fifty dollar budget. So I like doing that, and then I can turn around and make an investment in, you know, rather be a a Matt Forte and and spend fifty dollars in a Matt Forte because, okay, cool, yeah, I have a decent amount of my people checked out and taken care of, spending less than I think we did the math. I'm gonna have about two hundred and twelve dollars to spend in this draft, having a decent amount of my team full. Um, I'm gonna be able to spend on these people that I think will have a bigger impact. Based off of the fact that, yeah, I might not be able to keep uh, Matt Forte after I spend $50 on him this year. I might not be able to keep him next year for 60 bucks, but I'm going to get who could finish in one of the top 10 running back spots on my team because I have ca- salary cap space. Um, I like being able to budget that, or I also think that adds a whole other realm to take a look at in trades is, mm-hmm. you know... Earlier this year, you were shopping around Gronk because there was a decent chance that you thought about cutting him because he was one-fifth of your salary cap, and you have $87 tied up in Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. Had you not been able to trade him, or had you had him for cheap, you probably weren't trading him. Uh, So I think that adds a whole different aspect to take a look at, uh, which my mind with being as number analytical as I am, I love that side of it. I love being able to be like, all right, is it worth taking a 
receiver who's going to cost me five dollars more, but may get me ten more yard or ten more catches and fifty more yards, so an extra fifteen points a year for five dollars, or is it worth keeping the guy who's going to cost me five yards, but I may be able to spend yeah. it? I like being able to do stuff like that. So personally, this is the first time I've ever done auctions. Um, I think I like auctions more. I would, you know, I would tend to agree with you on that aspect. Here's here's my thought process on auction: is it if I want that player, I can get it. It's just a matter of how much I want to pay for him, and no one it's gonna it's no one that's going to adjust how we have to pick every other position. You know, when you look at a snake draft, it is truly variable on everybody else's picks. You know, you're gonna get that flyer on. Hey, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get Odell Beckham, who was hated by Coughlin at that year, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Odell Beckham in the ninth round, and he's gonna light it up. Where rather than I'm gonna future think and say, hey, I'm gonna pick Odell Beckham high because I think a lot of his potential. You know, that's the thing I look at in an, in an auction draft. It makes it a little bit more challenging because if I want to spend eighty-five dollars in a two hundred dollar league or twenty-five dollars in a $200 league on a player, that's fine. But now how do I make the rest of my team? So it takes a lot more thought in the auction, so it's a lot more fun. You know, last year I created a, and it's the first time I did a snake draft and probably, besides ESPN and the NFL Network ones I've done, in probably four or five years. Um, and in those leagues, it's it's a different mentality. You know, you look at it in an auction to snake. In, an, in a snake draft, it's all running back driven. You're going to take a ton of flyers and running backs. You're going to take your proven commodities and wide receivers, but you're going to you're going to go heavy on running backs. In an auction league, you can decide how you want to configure your team. You have to go heavy on running backs in an, in a snake draft because everyone else does. You're you're dictated by what the flow is. Where in the other league, you're not. If I want Julio Green and Julio Julio Jones and, or AJ Green, I can pay whatever I want for them. I'll get them. If they're my favorite player, I'll get them on my team. If my team ends up sucking, it's because of me. It's not because I had the 12th pick and freaking Johnny Johnny Squat took freaking Julio at 11 or took Odell Beckham at 11. I got stuck. God, what do I do? What do I do? I'm going to pick, which a lot of people did last year, pick uh, Gordon from the Badgers because everybody looks the Badgers, and they ran the ball great in college, and he sucked in the pros. That's what I kind of look at. Um... The next question I have is, um, what would you say? So you, you've told me that you like auction leagues. Yeah. Um, what would you say? What would you say about two quarterback leagues? Because that's became that's became the the niche now. Oh God, you got to do a two quarterback league. It's a lot more challenging. Or you do a quarterback and a flex. What do you say about that? Um, you know, I've actually, uh, that's interesting that you say that. It, I think it adds a whole different realm. I think you have to then look at, um, drafting a, a running or a quarterback, excuse me, a lot earlier in the league than you normally would. I know you're, you're one who quarterbacks are towards the bottom of what are your priorities. You look at it as I can always pick up a quarterback. I can pick up a Matt Ryan. Who's going to give me a solid 15 points a week. What? 10th round in a snake draft maybe a little earlier but if you add in that then suddenly you're getting two quarterbacks you're having two people throwing the ball two people touching the ball every single offensive play minus kicks and all of that jazz but every single offense play you have two people on your league i think it starts to make them where you have to look at them a little earlier um 
if you launched it, would I be prepared to do it? No, just because I haven't looked into it that much. Um, the other thing that I see a lot of people doing are opening up at one of the flex spots to just be an offensive player. So you can go running back, tight end, receiver, or quarterback. Uh, I think that adds another aspect into it. Do I think it's going to be the standard? Do I think it's going to take over and become the normal? Not anytime soon. Could it? Yes. Anytime soon, no. And So I'm going to follow up that question, which is another hot topic out there in the fantasy world, is what do you think about defensive players? I've never done an IDP. Uh, so it'd be hard for me. Um, to sit there and give you an honest opinion on it. Um, what I like about it, it adds it adds another player. It adds another scoring point to take a look at. Suddenly somebody like, you know, Indama uh, and Sue becomes a lot more like, okay, wait, I don't like Miami's defense as a whole, but I don't mind this one person. I, I think it adds a different aspect to it. But to be honest, I couldn't tell you where to take them in a snake draft. I, I wouldn't know. I'd say probably towards the back half as they're probably not getting you that many points compared to a wideout, but I so, don't know. So you look at that in IDP drafts, you look at that a lot of ways. You look at it kind of which, you know, a lot of people do one IDP player. One will do one on the front line. One will do the middle of the linebackers. One will do safeties. Um, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. There's no one that's really a game changer in defenses except for a couple players you look at. JJ. JJ. And but she's gonna miss the first three or four games this year. You look at uh Keatley, you know, there's a couple players out there. He's Sherman somewhat, but he doesn't make enough tackles, so it kinda warrants it. I won I won a league based on Buchanan. Cause uh the Cardinals moved Buchanan to a linebacker who was a safety. He made a ton of tackles for me and won the league. You know, I wouldn't if I was in a rookie if I was in a IDP league. Most IDP leagues are generally snake drafts. You're probably not going to take them, look at them, probably to the last five or six picks. You look at the t- the IDPs I did last year. Most people that lost the league went defense probably in those middle rounds um, because they thought, oh, my God, I'm going to get the best defense player. The best, you know, there's only a couple positions you look at that's going to make a difference. Where you get, and when you're picking players, you look at what the difference is between one and two or three and four. You know, you look at it as quarterbacks, pretty close in the top four. Running backs, you look pretty close in the top three. Wide receivers, within 15, 20 points, probably in the top three, PPR or standard. Tight ends, that's where you start to see a differentiator, except for Jordan Reed had an obnoxious year last year gronk is like disproportionately better than everyone else so gronk that's why gronk in every single league you look at it he's always a top 10 pick he's always a first round or high second round pick because of that does it change your drafting of gronk so if you're in a snake draft does it change you drafting him with galapago um my boy jimmy um no i don't think so because the fact of this is the fact that he gets open they're going to throw in the ball no matter who's throwing in the ball. And Garoppolo is not a bad quarterback. He has hit his targets in the preseason um, when he's played. He can hit those targets. You know, Gronk's, Gronk runs a lot of short patterns. The scary thing, here's the question I have for you. Who, who had more yards per catch, Gronk or um, Odell Beckham last year? Yards per, yards per catch. Probably Gronk, assuming that we were just Gronk talking did. about Gronk. Yeah, so Gronk did. He had two yards more catch than Odell Beckham. Would you have thought that before if I threw that question out there? No, I probably would have told you Odell. Um, 
you know, he had six, you know, Gronk had 16 yards per catch last year. He is by far the best different creature. And mind you, I've had Gronk in several leagues, but the reason why, and I've traded him away in another league this year because I tried to get value, and and I got scared because he's on the Madden cover this year, and uh, the Madden curse still kind of scares me a little bit. Um, but Gronk is a beast. He's by far the best tight end out there, hands down. So here's a couple of questions from our Brian here. Who's your favorite rookie from last year that's worth keeping this year? Favorite rookie that's worth keeping last year? Not named Todd Gurley. Not named Todd Gurley. Rawls. No, I got to go David Johnson. I'm going to go David Johnson. Oh, my God, he's on my team. That's kind of scary. I traded for him earlier this year. (laughs) A couple reasons why I'm going to go David Johnson. I'm going to go David Johnson on that one. One, I went to Northern Iowa, so I'm a a homer in that aspect. And uh, he's also could be a big bust, too. So it could go either or with David uh, Johnson. But if you watched him play, and I watched him play in college, He's a great pass-receiving running back that gets the ball, that yeah. get out in space. And when he gets out in space, he can score. You know, you looked at he had a, he had a he had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, returning touchdown. He had them all last year, um, and he's a 227-pound, six-foot-two, sculpt god. You love you some some Johnson, don't you? I do love me some Johnson all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. So in an auction draft. Nine times out of ten, you look at NFL, you look at ESPN, you look at Fox, you look at Yahoo. You got a budget. You know, a lot of times people will set the leagues at a hundred dollars. So you can't wait. You can't go hog wild on a guy that is in the week one and pay sixty bucks of your hundred dollar value. A lot of times it's usually hundred dollar value and blow all your money in the first week. Then you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get those sleepers that happen out of nowhere in week one or week two. You got to be able to manage the team throughout the year, you know, and make smart trades. You know, you build a team in your draft and how you pick to make those trades at the end of the year that push you over the top um, and do that kind of stuff. You know, I look at it as wins and losses. And kind of what I want to do in our next podcast, um, and I'd love some feedback, is I would like to talk about like the top 20 wide receivers, the top 20 running backs and stuff like that, and why we feel they're, they're the most important. I'm in tight ends too. You know, I look at it as we got to give you guys some helpful picks to help you get to the next level. You know, winners keep score in my real life and as well as in fantasy life. I like to win. I don't like to lose. And I like to shit when I'm winning because um, I'm a winner. Cries a lot when he loses. I talk a shit. I make people cry as much shit as I talk. Um, but I usually win. Um, I, look at, I look at historically... In the last four years, I have won 90% of the leagues I've been in um, because I take a lot of time in doing this kind of stuff and what and how to draft and how to make moves afterwards. You know, I do a lot of three-for-one trades. You might think you're losing three players, but I built the team strong enough that I can make a three-for-one trade, three-for-one trade, and take my team to the next level. You know, I look at it a couple years ago. I traded away. I got. Emmanuel Sanders, which people are like, God, why the fuck do you get Emmanuel Sanders? But that's also the year he had 97 catches um, for like 1,300 yards. And I trade away four players to get him, but I won the league. You know, that's the kind of stuff you do if you build your team correctly. You can make those trades where you lose in the, you lose in the end, but that person's not going to be able to turn it down because you built your team strong enough that in week 
12, 13, 14, they got to make the trade because it makes their team better in the long run. Um, question I forgot to ask you. I apologize for this. Now, you've done, you've done a league with me a couple times. Would you prefer, what do you feel about keepers, keeper leagues? I like them. I like them. It, it adds a whole Do you like them a lot or a little? Um, like them more than I currently like. Do you get life. hard? Uh, you know, um, I'm glad he cut you off of that. Actually. <laughs> I, I do. I, I like keeper leagues. It, it adds, you know, it adds the, the aspect of, especially in our league with an auction league. Uh, do I keep somebody who's younger and has upside? Or do I keep somebody? Um, Rob, ask your question again. Keeper, non-keeper. I like keepers. I, I think it adds an aspect where you have to look at building your team to win this year. Or are you taking over a team like my team last year? Let's be honest. Look at my team last year. There's no reason I was where I ended up. Uh, great. You scored against no one. Uh, you look at my team last year. Do I do do I build a team to win this year? Or do I build a team that can potentially win me the league, say, two, three, four years down the road. The problem with that is you're assuming that you are going to be in that league and continue to be in it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at, like, next year, I already at this point in time have three first-round draft picks. That's sexy. Uh, I have things in motion that could potentially get me another one. Uh, but... You look at stuff like that where you're going, all right, do do I, am I going to win this year, yes or no? And I think if you come to that point where you're like, no, I'm not, then you look at your keepers and who can I get. It also adds the realm of, at the end of the year, do you take a flyer on somebody who's injured? Do you give up a roster spot to keep an injured player on your team going, hey, next year, if he can come back, this is going to be a steal. I look at myself with someone like a Deion Lewis. Got him off the waiver wires for $2 last year, or a dollar last year, $2 this year, because nobody else wanted him, because he was injured, because he wasn't playing. And I thought, cool, I have somebody on my team I can cut and take a flyer that he can do it. What are your thoughts? Um, I would agree. I think you, you make a lot of good points. You look at you look at when you do a roster in a keeper league, is you have to have a lot of forward thinking, auction or matter, no matter what snake. Is you have to have a lot of forward thinking, how are you going to, get this team so it's built to last you know i'm in a i'm in a keeper league that's a snake draft that's a little bit different where usually the worst teams usually will get better because they get hit injuries and stuff like that and they kept the players but i look at my team in that league as i was and i won that league last year of course because i win winners keep score and i keep score um is i built my team with weak players and strong players and be able to build it you always have to think of year two year three year four so I, I totally agree with you in that aspect. That's a good point. Our email for our show, in case we, anybody wants to provide feedback or anything like that, is wait, the number four, fantasybros at yahoo.com. That's wait, the number four, fantasybros at yahoo.com. And don't forget, if you ask questions, you want to refer to me as our dog. Or, <laughs> or just Rob. Our Rob, dog. Rob works, too. Our dog. Uh, until next recording, hopefully not coming to you live from my mom's basement. 
Um, what we'll look at next week is we'll look at top 20 rankings for all the for all uh, quarterbacks, receivers, wideouts. You know, we'll have some sleepers and stuff like that. This first podcast is a lot more randomness. We'll try to narrow it down and tighten it up a little bit. Until next week, this is Hodge. Peace out. That's Rob. Our dog. Woo, woo. Guys, how the f*** do I change my password?